Good morning. Today's scripture comes from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. Once again, it comes from the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. If you do not have a Bible, there is one in front of the seat in front of you, and I encourage you to turn to page 748 with me. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle Thou shalt cut off, and shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. For I have bent Judah as my bow, I have made Ephraim its arrow. I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece and wield you like a warrior sword. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. It's one of the special times in our year we actually get to also worship together with our children in the same place. And so it's a very special time. Uh, Let's pray before we start. Just as we remember you coming onto this earth as a baby, let your gospel, O Lord, come unto us in word and power and in much assurance and in the Holy Spirit that we may be guided into all truth and strengthened unto all obedience and enduring of your will with joyfulness, that abounding in the work of the faith and the labor of love and the patience of hope, we may finally be made partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Christmas is about a time foretold long ago even before a child was born in a town called Bethlehem. Goes all the way back to the beginning of the world. When our first father, Adam, plunged our world into darkness and insanity through sin, God promised that the seed of the woman would fight against the serpent and crush its head. He promised us a glorious deliverance. And for the many subsequent generations, the people of God looked ahead to that fateful day, putting their faith in the God of that promise. As God's plan unfolded, the servants of God would face a great many trials. But God, in his great mercy, would preserve each and every one of his people, even giving them prophecies and promises on top of the first one, so that his people would be strengthened. And each prophet, each servant of God, was given the testimony that as difficult a trial would be, as great as the obstacle was, God's wisdom 
would prove far greater. Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 10 to 12, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring that inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. With every prophet... With every prophecy, we were getting closer to the wisdom of God being revealed. And with that revelation came the understanding that our God is good. So good that he was able to promise to us more than we could ever believe. Even if our faith was the size of a mustard seed, God loves to smother us, bury us, under a mountain of promises. We are overwhelmed, and God delights to overwhelm until our cup overflows, until the anointing oil is poured from the top of our head to the bottom of our beard. This blessing comes from a wisdom not of this world, but the infinite wisdom pours out upon us like a waterfall of infinite pleasure every one of them attached to his unbreakable promises. And this is the wisdom given to us as the Apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 2, 6-9. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And what God has prepared for those who love him is astounding. It's astounding, marvelous, sublime, wondrous, incomprehensible, inconceivable, and yet revealed to us with each passing day, past our resurrection into eternity through the Spirit. We now memorize and sing carols, words given to us by the prophets of old, who spoke of things far beyond what they could grasp. We sing them with gleeful and hearts brimming with joy as we imagine the weight of glory that is coming. We sing of things beyond the depths of our understanding while knowing what we sing, while what we sing of is in our midst. We sing of Emmanuel, God with us, the infinite come to the finite, God born of woman, the ultimate promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. At his coming, the shepherds, keeping watch over their sheep at night, would witness 
a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Mary, the mother of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would encapsulate all of this into the Magnificat when she said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in his remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Christmas is a time where all of creation is summoned to rejoice. Jesus Christ is our King, come to us, the righteous Savior, humbled and seated on a donkey's colt. The Word become flesh, the Lamb of God, the Root of Jesse. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He is the blessed and only Sovereign. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as the greatest prophet foretold of Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn in unquenchable fire. Asaph wrote in the 50th Psalm, Our God comes, he does not keep silence, for before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. In him is all mercy and justice, the epitome of righteousness. Holy is he. And the irony of Christmas is that the master of time came into time. The author of history entered into his story. The omnipresent God put himself into a manger in a town called Bethlehem. The irony of Christmas is that the Almighty One became a helpless baby. The one who spoke the universe into existence took on human flesh and started with Mama and Papa. The one who had all authority took the position of a servant. And lastly, the irony of Christmas 
is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What started in the womb of the Virgin Mary culminated at the cross where he lived a perfect life and died a complete death for our sins. But God raised him up from the grave so that now those that believe in Jesus Christ will enter into the great halls of the king. They will enter into his joy. Christmas is the revelation that he is our joy. He is our waterfall of infinite pleasure. He is our unbreakable promise. To live according to Christmas is to live knowing that he took on despair that we might not. He made a way when there seemed to be no way, and nothing shall ever separate us from the love of Christ. To live in the light of Christmas is to know that one day there will be a second advent of the King. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. To those that receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become the children of God. And he says, Behold, I make all things new. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this glorious day of remembrance of where the infinite became finite, where you came to a poor and wretched people lost in darkness and insanity without you. We remember now with joy and thanksgiving and help us to celebrate truly the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.